Hey everybody, welcome to Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. I really want to thank you for listening. If you feel compelled to do so, make sure you subscribe, uh, leave a review, comment, share, whatever you feel like doing. Help me out trying to grow this podcast, trying to continuously deliver value. A couple of things before we get into the show, check out the links in the show notes to my CRA Academy my CRC Academy, both of them doing very well as far as getting people jobs in the marketplace. Check those out. Also, if you need help getting studies for your site or anything else, or even launching a site, basically any help for your site, we have a low monthly fee consulting service where we have helped many clients become and continue to be successful site owners through our background efforts of business development and support staff text me 949-415-6256 please check out the links in the show notes as well for the book the comprehensive guide to clinical research it's been selling really well getting very well received by the community thank you guys so much for that also check out the youtube member page join this channel to get perks that's my youtube uh, membership it's 10 bucks a month you get a monthly mastermind exclusively it's a zoom call every month with other youtube members uh, you also get weekly videos exclusive to the youtube members on how to use social media to improve your opportunities in life sciences so check that out really means a lot to me and thank you so much again for listening and enjoy the show guru nation oh boy we got a special one for you guys whether you're watching on youtube whether you're watching this one will even go on facebook this one's so important i'm even gonna log into my facebook which i haven't done in weeks and upload it and hopefully i still remember my password and all that and if you're listening on the podcast make sure you go connect with jack link to his linkedin is in the show notes is it LinkedIn or Instagram, Jack, that you want people to reach out to you? Uh, or nowhere? Link, LinkedIn would be better. Yeah, link, not, okay. not massive on Instagram. The Instagram, they're going to see your professional proper footballer. You know, they're gonna, <laughs> you're going to get a bunch of fans. So Jack has got a really interesting story. He's from the United Kingdom. And he entered, he became a CRA for Senios Health in Oncology with zero clinical research experience he did have some lab research experience and we're going to get into jack's story uh it's actually quite interesting and i know you guys in united kingdom are always asking me hey what's my job prospects for the uk and quite honestly i don't know because i don't know the market very well i know the u.s market and that's about it so like i don't even know canadian market that well so jack is here he's gonna share with with us his journey Hopefully, he can help inspire some people. Um, can you talk a little bit about your background, Jack? And first of all, thanks so much for coming on. Everybody go connect with him on LinkedIn and like, subscribe, comment, share. No, um, th- I mean, thanks for having me on. It's weird hearing your voice directed at me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's awesome, man. We, we had to do this one. When I saw the Instagram message, I was like, this is amazing. Never had this kind of story before. Well, yeah, I think that's kind of why I reached out because that's, I know that when I first found your channel, that's what I was looking for. I was looking to see what, what, uh, entry level CRAs need really. 
Um, but no, in terms of my background, I, I mean, a year and a half ago, I was an assistant manager of a pub here in the UK. So, mm. I mean, literally, I'd done a bit of medical sales experience. Um, so I had I'd spent time in theatres uh, and done the clinical side a little bit, but yeah, no zero experience really until I joined the NHS about a year ago. Um, and there I was doing a screening service for NHS staff. Uh, it was called LAMP. So we're just trying to stop outbreaks of COVID in hospitals. So, yeah, it was just a, year, a year's worth of lab experience, really. How did you um, get that job? Like, how, how did you stumble into that or get that one, maybe purposefully? How did you end up getting yeah, that so, from a pub? By the way, you pour a lot of uh, Guinness stouts or what do you guys drink over there? Yeah. Guinness, I love yeah, Guinness. No, that's my favorite. Mastered the art of pouring Guinness, of course. <laughs> no, wow. plenty of stuff, but yeah, Guinness is Guinness is up there with the best of them. Um, yeah, so I was at university at the same time. So my pub job, I was doing alongside my human biology degree. Okay. Um, and in my last, no, second last year, I got the email um, to apply for this job in the NHS to, you know, go join screening for COVID and try and keep NHS staff going so that we're having less absences from COVID. Wow. So this um, was right when the outbreak started, 2020? Um, 2021. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it was right. It was just before the second peak, you know, the uh, yeah the winter peak of 21. So basically yeah, so a year into the pandemic, you get this email. It says, hey, we need more people for NHS. Your background, was it your degree or the university you were attending that made them reach out or like you, you in particular? So no, it was a it was a university. It was for our whole year at university. We all got the email, and then oh. obviously we all went through the application process, and they picked from that. So basically, it was because of the university. Like everyone at your university got this email and said, "Hey, we need people like you to come help." Was it just science people, or just literally everybody? Yeah, no. So it was it was everyone in the science department of our university. So anyone doing human biology, biochemistry. Um, microbiology degrees just yeah so it's from that crop of people that we all went through the application process and then i mean the lab uh we employed 25 people i think it was so a range of biomedical scientists and i was an associate practitioner and then a few medical lab assistants and that kind of built the team for our lamp process yeah so how so what was your role like during this because I am imagining now it's 2022 so you spent several months almost a year at this position before Cineos reached out or how did that work Yeah so I was there up until January um I've actually had 6 weeks off work now I've okay. been I've been employed like I accepted my job offer with Cineos at the end of January and since then, it's just been because I went on holiday end of Jan, beginning of Feb. And then it's just these weeks leading up to my first day, which is Tuesday. Um, ah, I meant to get nice. my IT equipment today, actually, which is exciting. But yeah, um, I mean, that came about because I think it was about um, uh, while I was doing my dissertation, I did my dissertation alongside my job in the lab. So I was quite lucky, really, because I used 
I used LAMP as my dissertation and I went on to COVID wards to take samples from patients. Um, and that was alongside the sort of vaccine rollout. So researching a bit of how AstraZeneca it was at the time were rolling out the vaccine is what piqued my interest on clinical trials, really what first introduced it to me. Mm. Um, and from then, I sort of just learned a bit more about the job. Um, that's when I found your channel and started. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like well, literally when I started watching your videos, I, I didn't even really know what clinical trials were. And mm. that was October, maybe September, October time. Okay. Um, and that led to me reaching out to our research and director, uh, research, sorry, research and development manager at the hospital. Uh, and it was literally just an email to her saying that I was interested. Is there any voluntary work you can give me or just anything I can help with or just even to come and see the department? Um, and I got a reply a couple of weeks back saying that there's some quality assurance work that I could sort of help with. Um, wow. Yeah. So, was this, so you're working at the NHS. Yeah. And this uh, this is all happening at the same time. You you got interested in AstraZeneca vaccine development. You saw? Did you see something like firsthand where you were working, or were you just watching it on TV like everyone else? No. So it was part of my. Um, it was when I was taking samples from patients. I th you sort of. I do. It's a bit. You don't. You don't get. You don't get treated particularly fondly when you get, when you go into COVID wars and you're taking samples sort of for your own benefit really rather than right to be there to help and it was um it was just reading up on the vaccine for astrazeneca that really did it for me because obviously i wanted to move towards patient patient welfare rather than doing my own sort of research which i was doing at the time i see and um, that's really what moved me towards it i get it i guess it's probably a bit different in the states because where i was we sort of had everything in one place so in the nhs the hospital we had a research and development department which are the obviously where the clinical trials are run um and my lab was about a 15 minute walk away where i was doing my full-time job so i suppose the difference there is it was once i'd reached out it was quite easy to sort of do a day a week there um, as but well. they were all they were all somewhat connected, right? Kind of like an academic medical center, maybe here yeah. uh, in the states. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the best way to. Yeah. Okay, so you reached. You just sent a cold email to this director, yeah. and you said, "Hey, let me. Um, you know, I'm interested in research. Let me volunteer if you have anything." And she replied back, "Well, actually, Jack, we need a QA quality assurance." Not quite. They had um so because during the pandemic, obviously all clinical trials got put to the side and everyone focused on COVID, oh. really. Well, and that's what happened in the UK. I don't know about oh, the yeah. states. Same, but, same. Yeah, yeah. So um, once that got lifted, and we had, I think it was something like I think it was something like twenty odd trials trying to. Uh, pick up where they left off all at the same time so there's a lot of QA work that uh, two people were dealing with at the time so I mean the original email was just to go and see the departments and see how it works and then after a few sort of back and forths 
I was offered a little bit of QA work. So I'd done I'd done quite a lot of auditing in my job at um, as a practitioner, so in the lab. So I dealt a lot with some of the QA sides of it. Um, I gotcha. But yeah, so I think that's why they offered me the little bit of work they did. Uh, yeah. And so from that hospital, so that hospital was doing research. This was not Cineos, right? No, no, this was this was NHS. So this is all gotcha. So it how is, did it yeah. go from this? And how quickly and how did it go from this to CRA at Cineos Oncology of all yeah, things? Yeah. So this, yeah. So this is what I've really got to thank you guys for, really, because <laughs> yes, um, I uh, yeah, I used uh, I watched your four and a half hour tutorial, sort of listened to it in the car on the way to work and that kind of stuff. Um, and went through a few more videos. And whilst I was QA at Nuke at the hospital, uh, I had access to the SOPs for all the clinical research as well, so the standard operating procedures. Mm. Um, and I, I think we had eighty odd. So like it, it was a bit of work to get myself ready for a job application. But I went through the SOPs and just sort of anything I wasn't sure of, I learned. Um, but yeah, so that's what I, I when I started applying for CRA positions, probably in November, December time. No, December time. So I wanted two months under my belt before I started applying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just used all that information to work on my application. Um, I was lucky in a way because of when I did take over some of the monitoring at the hospital. Uh, a monitor left so the main monitor left as I was doing the QA work which opened up the whole the monitoring side of things and obviously I expressed my interest guys you only Um, need like a month of that responsibility on your background for them to give you a chance this is why CRA Academy is so successful because we have the internship the internships about three months for a breast yeah. cancer study and it's all remote and students are like, well, every job description I see says two years, one year or less. I say, look, if you've got six months and they have nobody, they're going to consider you. And that's sounds like exactly what happened with Jack. Yeah. Well, you had yeah. two months under your belt. Now, how many places did you apply? Because this kind of segues into my next question of, united kingdom uh and opportunities there like how you know i think here in the states maybe we take it for granted and people still complain here in the states oh there's not enough jobs well it's like well yeah there's tons the industry is short-staffed in every position you you can name so what is it like in the in the united kingdom i was i was um i mean i was really pleasantly surprised of it really because i probably applied for 20 20 positions um i mean a lot of them are still pending now because this was only two months ago really <laughs> yeah they um, might still call you back yeah yeah no my mind's definitely made up now though but yeah <laughs> no, i think it's uh, a good place yeah no i i, I, I was i was lucky with that actually because i got two job offers i got a job offer from gsk as well well icon but to be ah. outsourced to gsk and that was vaccine trials so that was like I really wanted to go and do that. <laughs> so it was really tough to say no to that one, really. But 
I did want to do oncology because both you can't go wrong with those two. They're both going to be huge growth areas yeah. going forward in the next decade. Uh, vaccines for obvious reasons, oncology yeah. because it's always been that way. Um, yeah, so yeah, you couldn't have made a bad decision either one. Yeah, I think I just wanted to be within the within the CRO for my first couple years experience rather than being outsourced. I think that was what really tipped it that way. Hmm. Um, so you yeah, said no, about 20 places that you yeah. applied. So were they all CRA or were they like CRC, CRA, in-house CRA? Like what did you see? Like what kind of roles did you see? So everything I applied for were entry-level CRA or CRA1 positions. So I think I got I got an offer back from one company for a CTA role. I'd applied for a CRA, but they um, offered me an interview as a CTA, which I turned down at the time because I had my interviews for CRA. Um, but yeah, apart from that, they're all CRA applications. Awesome. So Cineos said, hey, Jack, uh, you look like a potentially a good fit. Let's interview you. What was that process like? I Yeah, I really enjoyed my interview process, actually, with Icon and with Cineos. So I did. I went the length of both of them. I had my phone interview first. So I, Icon, actually, the whole process took, I think it was eight days. So I got my phone interview, then my... Um, then my main interview with two sort of heads, uh, my would-be manager and the recruitment manager. Um, and then I got my offer within eight days of my email saying I had a phone interview. So that was that that was really great. Cineos was three weeks, I think, or two and a half weeks it took to get from beginning to end. But yeah, no, I... I was really obviously daunted by the interview process because, I mean, I guess for the job you want, it's a bit more stress, a bit more, it's a bit more weighty. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the phone interview was great. The person who got in touch with me was she was lovely. Um, made it really easy actually. It was really comfortable chat on the phone, uh, which led to the main interview, which um, honestly I really enjoyed. Because as long as you sort of, I mean, all the information you need is either on your videos or, um, yeah, it's crazy to say, really. But yeah, all the info, all the information that I needed was either on your interviews or part of the SOPs that I'd read um, at my job. And I think they're public access anyway. A lot of SOPs are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I just made sure I was prepared for that and. That's a great point that you make that they're all public, publicly accessible. This reminds me of, I mean, it's not, it wasn't for a job, but it was for my career. When I started my site, you know, I didn't know anything about SOPs, budgets. And I had to, I remember a sponsor once asked me for an overhead policy for a budget. They said, what's your overhead policy? I didn't even know what that was. I didn't know there was a thing. So I said, just give me a day. I'll get. I'll. I'll email it to you. And I looked. University, the closest campus nearby, University of California, Los Angeles, uh, research department, uh, overhead policy. Found a ten-page document or so, tweaked it to what I needed. Boom. 
So a lot of like, that's a really good point. A lot of people don't go through the work of researching. Like when oftentimes when you have to get a job, like you're expected to do some homework, not just about the company you're about to interview for, but maybe if you have any info on what therapeutic indications they're doing, or if you have, you can go on clinicaltrails.gov and look at studies or like in your case, you know, look at SOPs from a comparable company, just so you're familiar with, and that's, if you didn't work there, those are still available for for you. Like you said, publicly, publicly accessible. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I think the great, the great thing about the SOPs were, um, a lot of them were templates for stuff like delegation logs and, and, uh, training logs and that kind of stuff. So you hear them, you hear them spoken about, but you might not sort of have the picture in your mind or, it's it's very easy to look at the template and see how it works. Um, and that's what most of the SOPs are really, just templates for important documents. Man, so you made it through the phone interview, you made it through where the where the other two interviews you did with both with the icon and with Cineos, you made it all the way through. Did you uh meet in person ever or was it Zoom? No, yeah, it was all over. So I use Microsoft Teams, but yeah, I mean, Zoom, the same thing, okay. really. But yeah, it was all over that. And now that you're going to start as a CRA, are you home-based? Yes, yeah. I see. So I've got two months, I think, training. Although um, when I spoke to my manager, uh, I might not have to do the full two months because I've got a little bit of experience right. from the NHS. Because you but, did yeah. the monitoring when the monitor yeah. left in your department, you had that responsibility. Technically. Yeah, so that that I mean that was my really lucky break. Really, that's what I think prepared me the best for the interviews. Whilst all the questions were on stuff that I already sort of looked at, I think it gave you. I think when you've got um, situations to look back on that you've actually been a part of, it makes it a bit easier. I think it's. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I. I, it's clearly a little bit of luck, but I think these this luck is sort of evenly distributed at times. I think I, I think it, it's just a matter of being aware of what the opportunity actually is. So you put yourself in that situation. You know, nobody told you to go email that R and D manager. That wasn't luck. Then yeah. you went in there. Uh, you probably did a good good enough job while you were there to where when that other person left, they they asked you to take over. So I don't necessarily think all of that was luck. Yes, there's opportunities. Opportunities happen all the time. We're not even aware of most of the opportunities that come our way. Yeah. We have to be aware to it first. We have to be open, alert. So I think uh, this is actually a good good lesson for for everybody out there. It's like, you know, if you're not lucky, maybe you're just not aware enough of the situation or maybe you're not putting yourself in situations where you have more of a chance to be lucky yeah i think i i think i think you're right but um i think part of it was because obviously once you get there i i've always been fairly decent at building a relationship with people anyway so once i finally met met the um research and development manager we sort of um made sure I had a good relationship and I think that's a lot of the reason I got um offered the chance or at least offered some of the work and obviously I tried to work as hard as I could before that but yeah I think it was all based on 
having a good relationship really yes i think i see your uh, linkedin so i'm gonna put the link here so people can hit you up and network and get your relationships even more going i so what is the job forecast like in the united kingdom honestly i couldn't really tell you but from my personal experience it's been it's been great like my linkedin especially i've had I've had six or seven people reach out to me on LinkedIn since I accepted my job. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's six weeks. Like, that's not. I swear, these recruiters, as soon as they see CRA in your title, yeah, and with a big CRO or any CRO, but they're after you, right? Yeah, it seems that way. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a matter of getting your foot in the door. Like, I think the the message of this interview is, um luck what's the quote i'm gonna butcher it but luck luck meets the prepared something like that it's uh i butchered it but it's something like that you guys can google it and find out exactly who said it um but that's the concept and i think that's exactly what we see with with jack and now he's a cra in oncology by the way jack you'll be in demand the rest of your life with that title uh, so good job with that one. And the only like you can the good thing about oncology is it's the more probably the most difficult to monitor because it's like whole different language. Um, so from there, you can get if you get bored with oncology, you can always do any other indication. I mean, yeah. they know that if you can monitor oncology, you can monitor just about everything. This is why this is why this is the one I wanted, really, because. I mean, five, ten years down the line, I want to try. I mean, I actually want to try and move over to the States um, ten years down the line and go into site ownership. Um, Ooh. I just want the best possible experience up to then, really. Is that yeah. a thing? So, okay, I didn't. I had no clue. So I'm glad you mentioned this. So, and that's obviously a very long-term yeah. um, goal or a- aspiration, maybe not even a goal yet. Is that something that's... Uh, like desired in the United Kingdom because here in the States, you know, I mean, we're a entrepreneurial yeah. society, right? So everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people are, Hey, I want to start a site. You know, it's like very commonplace for people to have startups in the UK. I don't get, maybe I'm just haven't interacted with enough people, but I don't get that same spirit. Is that, Obviously, it's alive and well if that's your aspiration. But do you see like a lot of your peers thinking the same way, or no? So, I mean, in the UK, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to tell you that I've got no idea really how site ownership would work in the UK. Really, so this, I want, I want to move over to the states anyway. Ah, um, I gotcha. This is, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even look at doing this until i'm over in the states really i gotcha the nhs is so massive in the uk that (laughs) not really that much of an emphasis on private private owned practices and that kind of stuff not like there is in america well our our proper football is not as entertaining as your proper football but maybe you'll switch over to our version of football i'm definitely going to enjoy getting into it <laughs> That's cool. Okay, that makes more sense. And you're at the right place to do it because I've known, I've actually interviewed people from big CROs from other countries 
that wanted to immigrate to the States and they'd, they'd like to keep you, you know, under the, under the logo. So, so they'll, uh, they'll make efforts, especially if you're, if you have some tenure and some experience there, uh, to transfer you over. It happened with a line manager I interviewed from, I think it was PPD, one of the big zeros where she was in uh, Brazil. She was like a line manager in Brazil and she wanted the exact same job in the U S because her and her husband were moving and they made it happen. You know, they made it happen relatively quickly. So that's actually one of the questions I get a lot is people from Europe or other countries say, Hey, I want to immigrate to the U S how do I do that to get a clinical research job there? And I said, the best way is to get a clinical research job where you currently are with an international company like Cineos. And it's much easier that way. At least you have a roadmap, potential roadmap. So I didn't even know that about you, Jack. So that's uh, that's awesome, man. Anything else we're leaving out for the Guru Nation? Any last maybe words of encouragement you want to share? before people hit you up on LinkedIn? I get, I mean, I guess for me, um, for entry level positions, it's just, it, all it took was an email really. I mean, I know a lot of stuff happened after that, but it was just an email that, and as, I suppose as long as you come across well in your email, people are likely to respond to you. Mm-hmm. And then that, I mean, that starts, that starts the conversation really, whether it's successful or not. Right. And they're mine. And I think from the from those twenty when you applied to Cineos, Icon, and then you know, twenty or so others, how many reply how many ignored you from those twenty? Um, I'd say fifty percent. Fifty percent ignored me. See, guys? And that's a that's a low number. it's usually a little higher. But yeah, you're going to get ignored at least half the time, if not more. That's not a reflection on yourself. You, A lot of people get discouraged when they get ignored. It's, uh, I always tell them that's normal. I send out emails every day, get ignored, right? More often than not. So it's just a numbers game. And if you put yourself in the right situation like Jack did, eventually good things are going to happen. Thank you, Jack, so much. Everybody go connect on LinkedIn. The his link to his LinkedIn is underneath this video. And if you're listening, it's on the show notes in the podcast of your choice. Thank you, Jack. We gotta do a uh, part two. Once you get some experience under your belt, we'll see what it's like to be a CRA for oncology indications and um, see what you've mastered during that interview. You're going to, it'll open you up to a whole new world of experience with uh, oncology. I'll tell you that. That's the plan. (laughs) Thank you, Jack. Thank you, everybody, for watching, listening, and we'll catch you all later. Bye-bye.